<laughs> um, <laughs> this is not a voice you were expecting to hear. Friday, September 25th, 12.03 in the morning. Um, man, I did not expect to be doing a pre-roll. Anyway, this is Billy Ray Mitchell introducing something that, I'm going to be completely honest, I had no idea what was going on, but here we are. Um, the locks of Saturday... I go out tonight, the family, we go out to a place, nice little place in Washington Township, New Jersey, get a steak, a little tiramisu, me, Willie Hanson, Matt Rivera, we hit the cornerstone after, get some chicken wings, watch Matt, watch Isaiah Ford handle business, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars on his homecoming, and I get home to a text message from the Scribes of Saturday, and apparently the Scribes of Saturday had recorded a podcast, I'm like, okay, like that's interesting. Um, nice little trial run, whatever. No. Scribes of Saturday, who have been doing the locks of Saturday recently for your gambling needs across the ACC and across college football, have sat down and recorded a podcast um, going into deeper detail about the games, whether it be Virginia Tech or across the ACC or across college football in general. And I'm going to be honest with you, I gave it a listen, I pressed play, and they did an absolutely unbelievable job. And you know how we operate over here. It's top-tier content. We want top-tier stuff going out. We want to bring the best to you, the listener. And I'd be lying if I didn't say the Locks of Saturday did a fantastic job. I've been raving about everything going on on our website, and I am super excited to announce the first episode of the Locks of Saturday podcast edition is launching today, Friday, September 25th at 12 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't know it was a thing until Thursday, September 24th at around 11.15 uh, p.m. So fact of the matter, you're still going to get the article. The article is dropping. Uh, it'll be embedded with the podcast so you can read along as you listen. Um, but basically, Locks of Saturday got together, recorded, and spoke a little bit about all of the games going on across the ACC and college football. This is going to be something that, if you guys like it, I would love to hear your feedback. Um, this is something that we would love to continue to do. And as always, the Locks of Saturday, we're bringing you the Locks. If you're in Blacksburg, I need you to keep it locked on Main Street Pharmacy, who does a fantastic job taking care of residents in the New River Valley, in the Blacksburg area, Christiansburg. Heck, if you're in Roanoke and you're looking for a good pharmacist, come on down to the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. They do an absolutely incredible job. I'm floored right now. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this. This is a fantastic job by the Scribes of Saturday, the Locks of Saturday. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the 555. And as another surprise, we are going to debut for the Locks of Saturday podcast. We will be using Paint It Gold by the 555, which is new to you. It's a fantastic song. You may recognize it if you're following Bill and the Celtics fifth quarter podcast. Check them out. The 555, shout out to them. Shout out to Sam Jesse and the entire Locks of Saturday gang. Enjoy. This is something new. Let us know what you think. And happy betting this weekend. Go Hokies.
What's up, sons and daughters of Hokie Nation? Sam Jesse, and I'm here at the boys from the Locks of Saturday. We got Robert, we got Chris, we got Ed, we got Brett, and we're excited to give you a little bit more intel into our picks. They're live right now, sonsofsaturday.com, Locks of Saturday. We are in week four, and we got some pretty interesting matchups. It feels like it's starting to get real. Top 25 conference matchups, rivalry games. We have, you know, weird spreads with Army and Cincinnati, and Virginia Tech might actually play a football game this weekend. So let's just get it kicked off really quick. Top 25 ACC matchup between Louisville Cardinals, Pittsburgh Panthers. Louisville got their feathers plucked, crushed by Miami. Chris, how do you think it's going to go? I thought this earlier and I said – one of the key things that I always try to remember is don't abandon your preseason prediction too early. It's only been two weeks. And based off of the over-under spreads and based off of the consensus opinion of many of the people in the scribes, Louisville is the better team. So if you look at kind of week one, week two versus week one, week two for Syracuse, excuse me, for Louisville and Pitt, Louisville is coming off a game where they essentially got broken down by Miami, and then you look on the other side of the coin, and Pitt hasn't played anybody. They played Syracuse last week, and they played Austin P the, the week prior. So the fact that they're on the road, it's a plus-three matchup. That means that the teams are seen as even. I don't. I don't agree. Louisville wins this game. I would probably go with not just Louisville to cover, but also to win on the money line. That's interesting, the plus-three thing, because there's really no home field advantage. But it seems like that's still being factored in, so – I don't know. Uh, Irby, you're, you're a nerds guy in the booth, in the MGM right now in Las Vegas. What are you thinking? Well, here's the thing. As far as preseason picks goes, I had Louisville in the ACC championship, and I am already regretting that. <laughs> Maybe I should take your advice, Chris. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. Their defense was just awful. And – I think I think this week will be a real test of just how awful their defense is because if they can make Pitt's offense look good, then like we know that Louisville's defense is just abysmal, um, you know. And then when it comes to like Mikhail or Malik, I don't know what his name is, Cunningham now, um, <laughs> he's changed it a few times. Um, I think he's really solid, but Pitt's defense is really really good, and. Um, I think this will be like lower scoring than you would expect from a Louisville game. Um, but ultimately I just think Pitt, their defense will just be too much. Um, and Kenny Pickett, who I can't stand, I think he's the most overrated quarterback in the league. Um, I think he'll make enough throws and Pitt will win outright. Yeah. Ed, Ed, you had a, you went Louisville as well. Are you sticking with the preseason prediction that Louisville's the top team in the ACC? Not that part. I won't go that far. I don't know if they're a top team in the ACC anymore, but I definitely think they're better than Pitt. And I think a lot of last week had to do with their diff- like their difficulties that they have, but also that my- I think Miami's a little bit better than we all thought. And Derek King is still a very good college football player. Um, I-, I like Louisville to win and win outright and cover. I mean, like they're- I just think they're the better team. Um, and Brett, Brett, you're the only guy who missed the flight to Vegas. Sometimes that's good for the wallet, but – What do you think about this one? This was the one I spent the most time on, honestly. Like a couple of the other you guys said, I've 
had – I mean, I was going to ride Louisville all season. I mean, I think I said a couple weeks ago, I said I'm riding them every spread all season, especially for the underdog. But last week, like I, like Ed said, I think Miami's a little better than we anticipated. But Pitt's defense is really good. And I'm not really sure how Cunningham and his teammates are going to be able to handle that as easy as compared to maybe Western Kentucky or um, – any other teams in the schedule. Pitt's going to be probably the hardest defense they face all season, um, and it's going to be like that for a lot of teams. So it'll be interesting. I like your idea with the whole uh, hot jerseys are given extra field goal advantage. I'm a firm believer in, I think, just if you feel good, you play good or play well, I guess is the correct English. But So I think Pitt's going to pull it off. Look, you don't roll out anthracite uniforms <laughs> and go out there and lose. You just don't. You don't, and I'll tell you what, that's a, cool uniforms are worth at least a field goal. And Heinz Field, if it's known for anything, that's a slow turf. That's some slow, tall grass up there in Pittsburgh. No chance Louisville's offense runs like they want to out there. Think about this, Pitt lost probably their best defensive lineman. I believe it's Twyman. Yeah. First round NFL pick, pretty much consensus, and they're still a top two, three defense in the ACC statistically. I mean, it's – they are good. I'm scared about Pitt this year. They're a better team. Kenny yeah. Pickett is not great, but he doesn't have to be great. He has to be average. And I, I'm not on the Louisville hype dream. I haven't been all year. I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're good enough. I don't trust them to bounce back. Unless they're playing in the Big East or Lamar Jackson's walking out there, I don't trust Louisville football. I think Pitt looks just – their team right now looks just like how Virginia Tech looked for a long time in the mid-2000s. I mean, they just – they're that identical – you know, the defense is really strong with an above of average quarterback with an average offense that can get it done. So, it'll be interesting. Um, and De- was it Devin Ford? Is that him? He's going to freaking fly over the field and he's going to give – problems to Cunningham and all this and he's athletic enough to keep up with all those guys so yeah, yeah I think it's I, I think it's Paris Ford but he's Ford. insane like I would take him on Virginia Tech's roster oh my god yeah he flies over the field and I think he's going to be able to cover Cunningham when he's running around and everyone else so yeah well speaking of guys flying all over the field and hitting each other somewhat illegally we have a great rivalry matchup in the ACC this week Florida State and Miami probably like the hardest hitting, nastiest rivalry in college football. I'm going to start this one off because I got the hot take. I, I like Miami. I'm a, I'm a weird Virginia Tech fan where I kind of like Miami. They look good. Defense looks nasty. Skill players look good. Manny Diaz, not as terrible of a coach as we might have thought. Florida State, dumpster fire in Tallahassee. Forget it, rivalry game. Florida State, they have the athletes. They have the players. They've had two weeks to prepare. Miami has a really simple offense. I don't see them losing this game by 11. 11 is a big spread for a rivalry game, especially with no fans. Give me the Knowles. I think Miami's going to win it, but give me the Knowles to keep it close. There's just there's too much pride on the line. There's too many athletes for them to get blown off the field. And Miami's played two pretty – good opponents in a row. I mean, UAB and Louisville, that's a tough two-game. I mean, they won handily, but it's not a cakewalk. They haven't been able to put backups in. Give me Florida State on the bye week to cover 11 points. Chris, what do you think? 
<laughs> oh, come on. I'll summarize it in one point here. The U is back. I mean, if you look at essentially how they manhandled Louisville to start, and then Louisville crept back at the very end of the game and kind of was just, you know, mostly at that point to the to the the average fan Miami was just the superior team they were bigger they were stronger they were more efficient on offense they had a balanced rushing attack Derek King was finally coming out of his shell a little bit being able to actually distribute the ball all of the elements of what we had wanted out of Miami finally came to fruition against the top 25 opponent on a national stage which we had been waiting to see for years out of a Miami program and as much as it pains me to say that them being bad is actually good for the ACC and good for college football as a whole. The rivalry, future Virginia Tech-Miami battles back again. I'm actually really excited for the fact that they seem to have their, their, uh, their program back in sorts. Couldn't say, the mo- couldn't say the opposite. Excuse me, I could say the opposite about Florida State. Uh, they currently have a coach with COVID in quarantine. We have no idea what that looks like. Uh, Over the last few weeks, uh, we don't know who has been actually kind of scheming, coming up with the plays, being able to actually come up with the game plan. Mike Norville is not necessarily out, but I don't know what that actually looks like. So that is an unknown. And if it's one thing or another, yes, I'm used to this game being played on like a September Monday, Labor Day evening when it's the rivalry game it's the first game coming out of the season and they usually play like a three-point game it reminds me of the college football version of like a Pittsburgh Steelers versus Baltimore Ravens game but with all of those variables and the games under the belt right now given the context I just don't think that Florida State is able to scheme and match up with where Miami is at right now as a program Miami covers before we go to the MGM down to Robert, I, I want to point the thing about Mike Norvell. Could you say that Florida State is better off without a coach? The last two guys <laughs> haven't been very good, and they don't seem very well coached. Could you say that they are better off now that they don't have a head coach? I find it hard-pressed to believe that they hired Mike Norvell out of Memphis based on the fact that he was running a very solid Memphis program. They lose him. Yes, there was a bit of that context in the offseason, but from a week-to-week standpoint, when you're trying to come up with the game plan – you need the head person in the room to be able to design and come up with a scheme that's actually going to defeat the other one. I don't know what that has been looking like. Of course, they're not going to divulge that. It's unknown, so therefore I'm going to go with what looks to be a better running program at this time. Mr. Irby, you picked the U as well. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go out and say that they're back unless, I guess it depends on what your definition of back is. Like, is it, you know, top 10 team every year or just not mediocre um if we're talking not mediocre then they're definitely back um i think that they're definitely you know Derek king i think he still has a little bit to prove especially in the passing game um and quite frankly i do believe that florida state's defense is very underrated um you know the reason why they lost to georgia tech was not because of their defense it was the fact that their offense only scored 13 points against one of the worst teams in the conference. Um, And I think they're getting the, sorry, I have to focus to pronounce his name. Uh, Hamza Nazarildin is like a stud. Uh, I believe he's a safety, Um, like first round draft prospect, just an absolute beast. He didn't play in the first game. They're getting him back. Um, I, I do think that 
he'll give Derek King some problems. Um, but I just think Florida State's offense is just so bad um, that I think that eventually that defense, Florida State defense, will get worn down and Derek King will have like a few late game touchdowns to pull away. And you're in front of the Death Star. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like these teams are pretty similar and that they've kind of had their fall from grace in the last however, however long you want to chalk it up. But at the same time, they've always had talented players, um, but neither of them has a decent quarterback or coach. And I think finally now one of them has a decent quarterback in De'Aaron King. Um, and while as long as he's there, I feel like they're just – they're better than Florida State. Um, yeah. I mean, the dude was in a, in a Heisman running, was it, two years ago? He's a freak. So it seems to have elevated everybody around them. He's brought a sense of stability to that program that they haven't had. I mean, last year, what, how many quarterbacks played against Tech? Like three. So um, – and not Tate Martell. Um, so I just think he's – kind of elevated everybody around him and they're not going to have too much trouble handling Florida state. Now the whole rivalry game and 11 is a big spread. That part kind of scares me, but Florida state's really bad. So um, I think they'll figure it out. Brett, what do you think? Um, I have to agree with Ed there about Derek King. I think Miami, that's a good point. Miami hasn't had a, uh, a, a true leader on their team. Like they've always had the one guy, especially back in like the mid two thousands and, you know, all in the, obviously the eighties and the nineties, they always had like one guy that was the, you know, the poster boy. And they haven't had that in 10 years, probably maybe Ja'Cory Harris, but we saw how that turned out. But, but yeah, I think Miami is just going to cover. I think they're just going to eventually whittle. They're just going to whittle a uh, Florida state down towards the end of the game. I think, like you said, the offense is just abysmal. And I tried to, you know, give Florida State some credit and when they played Georgia Tech I said they were going to cover pretty easily just because I thought they had some talent on the offensive side of the ball with a NFL caliber wide receiver and a talent a fairly talented quarterback but I was proven horrendously wrong so I'm not buying into that anymore and I don't think like I'm not convinced Miami's completely back but they're scaring me and that's enough for me to give them to cover 11. Yeah, but a lot of Hokie fans forget there was a time where Miami won five out of six against the Hokies. So uh, definitely, definitely looking like that game against the U is going to be a tough one this year. And let's move to two other teams that Tech play this year. I, I don't think we can spend much time on this one because it's kind of a sleeper. Duke at Virginia. This is not a basketball game. This is not a lacrosse game. This is a football game. Chris, what are you picking here? I would say originally I had thought that going into the season, Duke would have some semblance of that, that kind of core toughness with kind of a David Cutcliffe-led efficient type of offense. And then you add Chase Bryce to that and his ability to groom quarterbacks and being kind of quote-unquote quarterback whisperer going into the season would somehow carry them into this kind of unknown as a like a disruptor in the ACC season, kind of this team that somehow wins like five games and looks good enough. Um, over the last few weeks, wow. Okay, so my immediate prediction on Duke being somewhat competent this season instantly falls to the floor. Uh, it turns out David Cutcliffe has not called offensive games in the game for over a decade and it shows and Chase Bryce did not get the Clemson quarterback position because he wasn't good enough to get the quarterback Clemson uh, position at Clemson. 
So going into this game, uh, as much as it pains me to say it, UVA actually has competent defense for as much as we all probably loathe Bronco Mendenhall and his ability to kind of get under the, the skin of, of Hokie fans. He's going to field a very disciplined and balanced approach on both uh, the offensive and especially the defensive side of the ball. I don't see much ability for Duke to be able to come up with a, a scoring efficiency well enough to be able to uh, put up points on the Cavaliers on the road. And I'll go ahead and go with UVA to, to cover and, and win at home pretty easily, actually, probably by more than uh, 10 points. Irby, what are you thinking? I think that UVA is not very good, but I think Duke is much worse. Um, and, you know, I'll keep it simple. I think, I think UVA probably wins by a touchdown. And if I can give you a lock of the week, I pound that under because this is going to be extremely low scoring. These are two horrible offenses. Like the over-under is at 45 and a half. Like it won't even sniff that. Like, please, free money. Take that under. Lock it in. Lock it in. Ed, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I'm not one of those, like, lifelong childhood Hokie fans who just can't stand UVA. I actually grew up a Maryland fan, so I probably hate Duke more. But so I, it, I have respect for Bronco Benderhall and what he's built. They are pretty good. Um, but it's really hard to pick them without Bryce Perkins after watching just him just carry that entire team last year. That being said, I'm picking them because Duke is atrocious. I'm never betting on them again. Um, they, they suck. Chase Bryce. I'm sorry. I don't know what Trevor, Trevor Lawrence just didn't teach that man anything. Um, yeah, they're really bad. And I cannot believe we got destroyed by them last year. It's so bad. Um, but yeah, UVA has got talent. They have a good defense. Um, who knows what their quarterback's going to look like, but they're going to cover five. Yeah, Brett, how about you? Yeah, kind of going back to Mendenhall, my dad put it put it pretty good the other day. He was saying, you know, Mendenhall, the one thing he has done is he's made that program disciplined and tough again. Like, the, you know, as much, you know, we, I'll give him credit last year for, you know, playing us tough the whole game. And they played us tough all the way in lane two years, uh, I guess almost two years ago. And we honestly, God was a hokey that night. Let's just be honest. That was absolutely insane. Uh, but I think Duke's offense is, like I said in the post, is averaging nine and a half points a game. Granted, they played Notre Dame, who's a good team. But that's it. I mean, they're averaging less than 10 points. And UVA's offense, like we said, is not that great. But they their defense is going to be good again. Um, Duke, honestly, don't think will score more than 10 points. I think they're going to hit their average. And UVA is going to get it by about a touchdown or 10 points or so. So yeah, let me clarify guys. that I do hate I do hate UVA, just saying, but All right, good. I can at least respect what they're doing over there. Yeah, I mean, I, I guys, I, I said from the beginning of the season, I think Duke's bad this year. Uh, Chris Rumpf is an NFL player, and that's about it. I, I think Cutcliffe, he's so well-respected. I, I don't know how much longer they can keep him there. I Duke is bad. The only reason I picked him last week is because my dog, my four-month-old old puppy, decided <laughs> to eat the treat on the Duke uh, piece of paper instead of the Boston College one, and he is cut off from gambling for the rest of the year. It, it, Duke is not good. And UVA, um, you, you know, I think, guys, Bronco Mendenhall's a good coach. Let's, let's face it. He's a good coach. He's building a competent program there. This is a rebuilding year for UVA. 
but that doesn't mean they suck. It used to mean that rebuilding UVA sucked. Rebuilding UVA now is going to be a 500 team. And I think this is one of the wins they get. And I, I feel very confident in the under. This is not going to be a pretty game. Watch something else. Watch, literally watch anything else. Um, yeah, and you know what, guys? Enough ACC talk. Let's talk some real football. All right, Thank let's you. go down south and talk some real football. We got the Kentucky Wildcats at Auburn Tigers. Uh, I'm going to start this one off with you on my pick. I, I don't get it with Kentucky. I, they played well last year, and they beat up on some lesser SEC teams, and then Tech gave them the game. I mean, Tech gave them the bowl game, the belt bowl. Bowden's gone. That was their entire offense. Um, you know, I know Stoops is a good coach out there, but again, this is not a basketball game. It's a football game. Auburn's the better team. Uh, let me look. Uh, I, I forget what the uh, the, the, the uh, defensive tackle. Uh, they lost Derek Brown, and I think that's a big hole for them. And a lot of people think Auburn, even though they're a preseason top ten, they're like not even going to sniff the SEC West. Guys, Colby Wooden has been getting a lot of hype in preseason redshirt freshman. Auburn just reloads. I, I think Auburn wins this by two or three touchdowns. Bo Nix isn't that good, but if we know anything about the SEC, he doesn't really have to be good. He has to be competent, and I think he's a competent guy. Uh, Ward Eagle, one of my best friends, uh, she went to Auburn, and she'd probably kill me if I picked Kentucky over Auburn anyway. So, Ed? Yeah, I mean, Auburn, Auburn's going to kill them. Um, they're, they're just so talented and like, yeah, they re, they don't reload or they don't rebuild, they reload. And I actually think Bo Nix, maybe he's not like a freak or anything like that, but he's at the very least a gamer. I mean, you saw him as a true freshman in his first game last year, drive on the field and beat Oregon on national TV. Um, and then go, and then also end the season by beating Alabama. Like Bo Nix can play. They got most of their receivers back. Um, including the one dude who's just a, like a literal track star in the SEC, uh, Schwartz. Um, yeah, that, Derek Brown's a big loss because that dude's a monster, but they get a few of those every year. Um, so they just kind of are going to rebuild there. I, I've been to a couple games at Auburn. It's uh, NIT's next level. The SEC is different, as Pat and Billy like to say all the time. It just means more. Um, and I don't think Kentucky is part of that conversation. So, uh, Skybar, baby. I, it's, a, it's on the bucket And Skybar, dude. Skybar's, Skybar's a blast. Skybar is a blast. It is a good time. Um, yeah. I highly suggest it. I was talking to my girlfriend's brother who swims there the other day, and I was like, man, I really hope you guys allow fans second half of the season because I'm trying to get down there. Yeah. Um, Auburn's a good time, and they're going to roll in this one. I, I don't see Kentucky being able to stay within eight. Chris, you got big blue nation plus seven and a half. What do you think? <laughs> so while I respect a lot of the Auburn love, I could not disagree more. So the one thing that we have learned about Auburn as a program over time is that they look great early and then they get into the thick of their SEC schedule and they start playing these large defensive fronts and these large kind of front sevens, mostly in the SEC West, because every time that Auburn has a season, it's going to involve Alabama, it's going to involve LSU, and it's obviously going to involve the remaining portion of any SEC East teams as well. And every time that goes up against these opponents, they end up either A, losing the game when they are ranked higher than that team, and B, probably losing them in succession. So while they start 
six and oh, they usually finish the season roughly about eight and four. I see Kentucky as one of those types of teams. So they're ones that they can then, when they actually have everything going, they can beat up on the lesser competition in the SEC and even at a disadvantage last year. Because if you remember those first early games in the SEC, they went 0-3 without a quarterback, essentially. Terry Wilson went down a non-conference play. He's now back. They had to revert to Lynn Bowden in the game that they actually had to fleet up his offensive scheme to play Georgia that didn't go well. And then after the fact they started rolling and that's how they got to their bowl game. So Mike Stoops had to basically pivot from basically having a quarterback who, who could throw a forward pass to having a quarterback who could not throw a forward pass in the middle of sec play, which is no easy task. They returned. I think it's about over 80% of their returning production from last season, all of which are massive on the defensive front. I think their defensive tackle is 300 and almost pushing 60 pounds from last season. This is a defensive line that's custom copied to basically stop a traditional Auburn attack and which we all know is built off of kind of spread pace, kind of throw the ball in the air, try to make uh, the other team miss, which I don't think as athletic, as big as Kentucky is, they will do enough. I think Terry Wilson, I believe, is the senior quarterback coming back, will be able to lead a competent Kentucky offense that was designed to be the offense that Mike Stoops wanted at the beginning of last season. And not only do I think Kentucky has a chance to not even cover the spread, I think they actually have a chance on the money line. I don't know what those odds are, but if it's distant enough, that might be some value. I would actually put money on Kentucky to not only cover the spread, but possibly win this game. Yeah, yeah, Brett, you know, you got Kentucky too. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris about the money line. I think Kentucky is riding on a lot of momentum last year, and nobody knows who Terry Wilson is, but if you guys have ever watched this guy's tape, people don't really remember him from last year because he went down so early, but this dude is for real. He is Lynn Bowden, but he can throw the ball. Um, he's for real, and I think he's going to give Auburn a lot of problems. He lost a lot on defense. I mean, they're, they lost 15 starters in total. And, of course, like I said in my post, the name Bo Nix is obviously just going to automatically convince people to cover or pick the money line on on Auburn. But I really think that Kentucky is going to be extremely physical and have a chip on their shoulder because, of course, Auburn's going to walk in there thinking they're just going to stomp on them and move on to bigger and better teams. And I think Kentucky's really just going to give them issues. So. Harvey, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm confident enough in Kentucky to pick them on the money line. Um, but that said, I think that if you really want a real scouting report of this Kentucky team, I think it's important to watch their tape from two seasons ago um, because that's when Terry Wilson was in there, um, and they were solid that year as well. I don't remember their exact record. I think they won seven or eight games that year, um, but he's slinging it around. Like Brett said, he's making plays with his feet as well, um, and now he's got an experienced core of guys, and quite frankly – um, the fact that they found that much success with Bowden last year of taking a wide receiver and putting him at quarterback and having him throw the ball maybe four times a game. Um, I think that that just goes to show how good of a coach Stoops is. Um, and that said, also Auburn, you know, I think Auburn is far and away the more talented team. Um, but if there's anything I've learned watching Auburn play football, it's that they play to the level of their opponent. And um, they will never blow anyone out and they will never get blown out. Um, and so I think that Kentucky will give Auburn some fits. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I think Auburn wins by about a touchdown. And with the spread being seven and a half, that gives the points to Kentucky. Thank Are you. we allowed to, uh, on a Virginia Tech podcast or whatever we're going to call this, talk about – wait, we've been bringing up Auburn. We kind of have to bring up Demetrius Davis, don't we? <laughs> well, guy, I'll tell you, he is – He's perfect for that offense that they run down there. It's basically a read option RPO every time. And, and you know, to Chris's point, Kentucky is plus 260, plus 270 in some places, money line. But, I mean, yeah, look, again, uh, that goes back to the point. Auburn just reloads, man. They're one of those programs. Every year they're going to be, you know, four or five-star guys. So, it'll be interesting to see how they go up against a big, beefy Kentucky team. And speaking of big, beefy football, the West Point Army Academy in the top 25. I guess it's uh, Army West Point. I guess I misspoke there, but they have a tough game at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, some people are picking them to go to the college football playoff if they can get through this schedule. And this is a, this is a tough game. It's a massive spread. Cincinnati is favored by 13 and a half points against a team that has gone 79 and 7, outscoring their opponents this year which is really impressive until you realize that Army played Middle Tennessee State and Austin Peay. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This is, this is a tough game to bet. Like, this is really tough. Cincinnati has skill players all over the field. They're a top 15 team. I mean, there's no question about it. Luke Fickle is uh, one of the better young coaches in the country. I think Cincinnati is going to win this game, but Army's going to keep it close. And these defenses, they're both good, talented defenses. And with an over-under, I, I believe the over-under for this game is, is in the 40s as well. I don't see a team winning by two touchdowns if the game is being scored in the 40s. Um, too well coached. Army's going to control the football as much as possible, but Cincinnati wins and a close one. Chris, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Starting off, Sam, I feel like you and I are just on completely different wavelengths going into this game. <laughs> actually on different sides on almost all these picks, but couldn't disagree more. Um, I respect what Army has done from the dark days for where I think it was not even five years ago. They were repetitively going about, oh, and what is it, 12, 1, and 11, and then they essentially shifted their program to be kind of a 500 team, and then they actually got almost to be a ranked team in the last few years um, by installing a new offense, adopting a new mentality, basically kind of parroting exactly what the rest of the academies are doing in a more uh, kind of sophisticated manner. So no, no qualms with Army and what they've accomplished at this point, but I just think this is more about what Luke Fickle has built at Cincinnati and the fact that as a home favorite, over the last few years, they've, excuse me, over the last season, they went three and two at home as a home favorite with an average margin of victory of 18 points non-conference. They went four and one with the margin of victory. I think it was a little bit over almost two touchdowns. And that's exactly what the profile of this game fits. They're a home favorite playing a non-conference opponent. And coming into this game, both have had time to tune up. Luke Fickle will have a team that is balanced, that is stout on defense. They'll be able to essentially stifle, let's call it what it is, lesser athletes on the opposite side. They'll be just as disciplined, but they just don't have the skill players to match up with what Cincinnati can field. 
Ritter's a great quarterback. He can also run the ball. I just feel like this has all of the makings of being a Cincinnati blowout at home, going into basically a statement game saying that, you know, we probably don't have the resume that all these other programs will have, but we're still going to be a top 15 team type team going through the course of the season. And you're right. I think Cincinnati has an argument if they can go through this and put up statement games of which this is one they need to do at home against a non-conference opponent, Cincinnati big beyond just narrowly covering. Irby, you got the Bearcats too. What are you thinking? I do. I do. Um, I think that these are two very solid teams. I think that they are, they're both in the top 25 and they both belong there. Um, even with the Big Ten and Pac-12 coming back, both teams belong in the top 25. Um, and I think Army is very solid. They're well coached. They're well disciplined. Um, but at the end of the day, I just think that Cincinnati is just a few steps ahead of them um, from a talent standpoint. Um, Sam, you mentioned this. Luke Fickle is one of the best coaches in the country. Um, I think that he should be a guy that is on a lot of Power 5 teams' radar. Um, and I think that uh, Desmond Ritter, great quarterback. Um, you know, Cincinnati's defense is solid. I, you know, I really think they're the best group of five team in the country. Um, I think that they'll end up in a New Year's, New Year's Six Bowl. Um, don't think I buy into the playoff hype. That seems, that seems a bit too much. I buy but, into it? No, I, no, but, but I'll, I'll give them like the Cotton Bowl or something um, or whatever the bowl is this year for them. <laughs> um, but I think that um, with Army's option, the triple option, I think that it's, it's the experienced, disciplined defenses that are able to stop that. And I think that's exactly what Cincinnati has. Um, and so I think Army will put some points on the board. But at the end of the day, I think Cincinnati wins by at least two touchdowns. As you're with me on Army, how are you feeling about, you know, how are you feeling about the Black Knights in this one? First of all, I feel like I'm about to get on a red eye and fly to Vegas. I'm so tired. I keep yawning nonstop. Um, but second of all – Triple option football, man. Oh, yeah, true. That, that's for sure. Well, and that kind of leads me into my next point is – it's like this game is like a pace of play thing for me. Like, Army literally does not throw the football. And if they don't have to in a game like this, if they don't fall behind early, I just think they're going to suck the life out of the clock and – it's not going to be possible to cover that's kind of spread. Um, I also don't buy into the Cincinnati playoff hype. Have we forgotten that Ohio state's going to start playing in a month or so? Um, but yeah, I don't know. Armies looked really good. And with their pace of play and style of play, I just think 13 is just a really big number to try to cover when the clock is constantly moving. Um, I think the leading passer for uh, army has like 57 yards on the year. So, um, and they have like, six guys with over 150 rushing yards through two games. Um, yeah, they're just going to kill the clock. And 13 is just a really big number in terms of a team like that. It has nothing to do with Cincinnati being bad. I mean, they're a good team. And Luke Fickle is a good coach. Remember when he was rumored to be coming to Tech when we thought Fonte was leaving? Um, fun time. But, yeah, fun times, right? At the same time, I just don't see just stylistically anyone. 13 is a big number in a game like this. Right. You got the same same kind of feeling about it? Yeah, so I was just on my phone. I was looking at how Cincinnati has performed against the triple option because they do play Navy some, and it's 
not been good. So I'm thinking that their army's going to give these guys a lot of trouble on the triple option just because unlike the ACC, the one thing I'll give the ACC credit for is I can't remember who mentioned both these teams would give ACC problems. I think it was Robert who said that in the article. Um, one thing ACC teams have is they're used to facing the triple option. At least they understand that from Georgia Tech. So, and a lot of other teams don't face it. So I think Army is going to just be steady rolling the whole game, just sticking to their game plan. And it's going to be up to Cincinnati whether or not to throw some uh, hitches in there to get them off their game. Obviously, uh, blitzing and I guess she's not going to throw the ball. But I think Army is going to be a well-oiled machine as they always are disciplined. And uh, they're going to bring in the WMDs for this one and pull up the Cincinnati's hoax. So. <laughs> Guys, Cincinnati, 1-15 outright in their last 16 games against top 25 teams. Yikes. Their only one was Central Florida a couple years ago. That's, that's, not, that's not great. That shocked me when I saw it. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's Cincinnati. They beat up on the little guys, but once – once a good Memphis, a good Central Florida team gets to them, um, you know, to be fair, a lot of those games are, are road games against Ohio State from back in the day. But, man, I, I'll tell you what, it's this is a tough one. Um, as if I was a financial advisor, I'd maybe stay away from this game. That's This is scary. And speaking of scary, all five of us have the nerves. It feels like it's been years, not months, years waiting to watch the boys in orange and maroon hit the field. NC State is coming into Lane Stadium as a seven-point underdog. Under Wolf, I guess. I, I don't know. Bad pun there. But, guys, I, I don't know. I mean, the Fuente has basically come out and told us this team is not going to be at a full roster. Um, for all intents and purposes, not to fuel the rumor mill, but it does not look like Hendon Hooker will be behind center on Saturday. Um, we assume it'd be Braxton Burmeister making his first, really playing college football for the first time in three years. Um, you know, Virginia Tech loses leading rusher, uh, top draft pick Caleb Farley, he's gone. Star in the making, Devin Hunter, gone. Uh, a lot of things pointing wrong for Virginia Tech. Then there's a lot of things pointing right. Offensive and defensive line, Virginia Tech's got some bulldozers. I mean, this Virginia Tech offensive line, uh, you know, put the homer aside, is nasty. I mean, they are going to – Brock Hoffman might kill a man. I mean, Brock Hoffman's been waiting a long time. Brock Hoffman might kill a man on Saturday. Uh, and I got to say, I like what Virginia Tech has done building the players in this offense, a stable of running backs – they got three or four really talented wide receivers. I think Trey Turner is poised for a, a Cam Phillips, Isaiah Ford type year. He's the number one target. This defense, I think, front seven good. Defensive backs, a couple question marks. Keonta Jenkins is a freshman starting. I really like his film from high school, but this isn't high school. This is power five football. And, and I just keep looking at this, and if, if it was anybody else, if it was – North Carolina, Miami, Pitt, Louisville. I'd feel a lot nervous. This is NC State, and guys, I don't think NC State's going to be football team. They let up 42 points to Wake Forest, and it's not a good Wake Forest team. Uh, I forget. I think Wake Forest had 32 first downs. 32 first downs against NC State. Guys, I, I think if Virginia Tech comes out here and 
I, I mean, if 80% of that starting roster comes out there and they play fired up and they can create some energy, Tech can win this game by three touchdowns. I mean, they are far and away the more talented team. I really don't see an avenue where NC State wins this game. I only see Virginia Tech losing this game. And, and we know Virginia Tech has a tendency to sometimes throw games away with turnovers and stuff. But this, I, they're just going to be too hyped up. There's too much talent on the field for Virginia Tech. And NC State, they couldn't stop Blacksburg High School. I mean, we thought we talked Louisville's defense about NC State's defense. They lose five of their top eight tacklers. Wake Forest ran up and down the field against them. Um, I got Tech big. I, I think this line is going to jump back up to 10 before kickoff, and I got the Hokies big. Irby, what are you thinking in MGM? I'm talking like I'm a little nervous because I am a little nervous because – You sound I, I, nervous. Well, I mean, Fuente came out there and looked like a – I mean, looked like somebody who just lost his dog. Like – He saw a ghost. Like I mean, just everything points, and I put in the article that the number's not the team. That the numbers, every single number points to Virginia Tech crushing NC State. Yeah. But I've been here before as a Tech fan. I've been here before as a Cleveland Browns fan, and I know it's really easy to get disappointed. And, yeah. and I, I just if Tech comes out there and plays their game. This should not be the case. Uh, Irby, what are your thoughts? All right. First off, don't compare us to the Browns. Come on. <laughs> I'm, not con- I'm not comparing you to the Browns. All, all I'm saying is I know what it feels like to be disappointed on a weekend in the fall, guys. That's, that's all I know. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, seven points is just absurd. Um, I think, honestly, even if – and I said this in the article, but I'll say it again. If Knox Kadem ended up starting at quarterback, I would still pick Tech in the points here. Um and I don't know, it's honestly just funny how um, just looking at, you know, Tech has always been, you know, in the offseason here, like we've been ranked like eighth in teams' power rankings of the ACC. And it's just like, why are they ranked so lowly? And meanwhile, I'm looking here at like FanDuel's uh, stats here. And it's like, I think 41% of their, of their betters have picked NC State in the points, which is just ludicrous. Um, whereas ESPN's FPI gives us an 88% chance to win the game. Um, so clearly people are not properly valuing Virginia Tech. And again, I think Sam, you really hit the nail on the head. Um, we're, gonna ha- we're gonna have some guys out, but I think that this team is one of the most complete Virginia Tech teams we've had in like the last decade. Um, and I think that we have a strong enough two deep to where, or three deep, where if, you know, five, maybe 10 guys are out, I think that there's enough talent that can step up, especially against a team that is horrible on defense. And though they did score 45 points, um, I think their offense is pretty one dimensional. Their rushing attack was spectacular. They had two running backs both come just short of running for a hundred yards and another one run for just under 60. Um, the rushing attack is amazing, but their quarterback play is questionable at best. Um, I think if our front seven shows up, stops the run, um, I really don't think there's any way NC they can beat us or even keep it within a touchdown. Ed, what are your thoughts? 
I have so many. Um, <laughs> we all, we could do we could do two hours talking about. Yeah, this. we really could. We, yeah, we could do a whole we could do a whole session on this game. Um, all right, let's start with NC State first. So like they're bad. We know they're bad. But I mean, they beat Sam Hartman. Have y'all seen that guy in QB one? He's kind of tough. Um, yeah. Next, we'll skip to the after that part. Um, yeah, I mean, we lost some people. Um, I was bummed when Damon Hazleton left and, you know, running backs and stuff. But quite frankly, I think our running back room is stacked right now. Um, and I think we got some receivers back that are going to help. Raheem Blackshear is going to be a huge help. I mean, hopefully he plays. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't seem like Hendon's going to get to play. Um, but luckily we have one of the deepest quarterback rooms in the conference. Um, I wrote the article today about Braxton. Um man, there's a chance if he plays well that Hendon doesn't get this job back. I mean, coming out of high school in terms of 24-7 composite, Braxton's rated higher. Um, keep in mind, he played and didn't play very well at Oregon in limited time, but the quarterback there was Justin Herbert, who's now starting for the Chargers. So it's hard to really judge what a kid was as a freshman starting behind an NFL caliber player, playing very, very sparingly. Um, by all accounts from inside the program, everything we've heard in interviews from Fuente and teammates alike, he's a freak athlete, um, might be one of the fastest guys on the team, which in this kind of offense, man, give him an edge and let's see what happens to track me at that point. Um, I don't know how his arm is. Uh, we haven't really seen enough to know. Is he able to get the ball to the outside on a deeper route to Trey Turner? Who knows? We'll find out um, pretty quick, I think. But yeah, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you meant, mentioned, you know, we have freshmen starting at safety. But at the same time, he must be pretty good because the other option was J.R. Walker. And we know what the coaching staff thinks of him. They think highly enough to give him number 25 going into the game. So if they think that highly of him, then what do they think of, you know, it's just hard. It's hard to tell. We have no idea what's going on in this program right now. Fuente looks exhausted. Um they're just, we're just more talented. Seven's so low. I should probably go in and lock that in right now because I, I do think they went by 10. Um, they're just, we're just better. I mean, if they choke, bummer, I guess. I don't know. I just want to see them play at this point. I don't really care what happens. Dude, I, I feel the same way. And I think that's Fuente's demeanor is he just wants to play football. I mean, he's a football guy through and through. Regardless of what you think of him as a football coach, that guy wants to play football and wants to win. And, you know, yeah. Right, and another I, thing is like, if you really want to read into it, who did press conferences this week? Braxton, Dax, Brock. So they're at least healthy as of right now or as of two days ago. So if you look at it from that perspective, at least those guys might be good to go. And those are some pretty important players. So, um, but yeah, we can just keep reading into it until we see who actually lines up on Saturday. Yeah, Brent, I think you're, what you put out in the article on SunsaySaturday.com summed it up in like two sentences perfectly. If Virginia Tech comes out here, plays with some heart and soul, plays with energy, this could be a really, really good football team. But, yeah. I mean, they just need that energy. They need to facilitate that energy without Lane Stadium. Do you think they can do that? Yeah, and it's honestly – every time I've ever put actually any thought into Virginia Tech spread and really dive, dove into it, I've always gotten my behind kicked. So – I, this time I just am just going on my gut and the way that the players are talking on Twitter, the way they're talking in their press conferences. If they just can get on the field, I think they're going to win this game pretty easy. 
you, but I wrote these guys are going to, I use the word unleash, and I think they're going to unleash on a team that just came off a very hard-fought game and probably tired still from that long, hard-fought game while we've been waiting to play for three weeks. So I think this is a really bad time to come play us, um, especially for a team that's not that strong. So while in my, like in my article, I didn't put any numbers or any analytics or anything. I don't know what to expect, but I know Tech's going to play absolutely just 125%, and I think the good guys will get it done. So I think at least two touchdowns. That's my pick. And Sam, real quick before you jump into the next part, I just got an alert on my phone that the Mountain West now plans to play football as well. So another conference jumping back in. And they're actually starting starting games on October 24th, so exactly a month from today. So a couple weeks before um, Big Ten – or Pac-12, sorry. If you have followed me on Twitter last football season, you know I love nothing. (laughs) West football. I have a Kellen Moore Boise State jersey in my closet. I love it. Wyoming football has great home field advantage. Always take Wyoming at home. Oh, that gets me so jacked up. I'm so fired. Chris, keep the vibes up. Come on. Keep the vibes up. But the biggest vibes that I have to provide for this is the fact that Justin Puente came in as the quarterback, quote-unquote, whisperer. He was the person who was going to either on a short timeline or someone he could have in his program. So the fact that Braxton Burmeister, if it's looking like he's going to be the starter on Saturday, it's not like he's just coming into the program. He's been here for over a year and a half. So he's been on campus, he's been in the meetings, he's been under Fuente's wing. And there's a reason, I know we all try to read through coach speak, everybody tries to see through the tea leaves. There's a reason before all all of this nonsense even started with the COVID and a lot of the questions about the two deep that he was gonna get snaps even with Hendon being available. So that says a lot in my personal opinion because Heaven played it tremendous down the strip of last season when he actually was put into the game and actually led the Hokies. So the fact that somebody who put up those types of numbers was being in a legit quarterback battle with somebody who knows quarterbacks says what we have right now at Virginia Tech. And I'm going to go with that. Not to mention that we added some weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I know we talked about running backs, but I don't think people really hit on the fact that we transformed our running back room. We went from having some athletic people who could possibly be, let's say, role players who were possibly coming in, being that second or third options. Now we have at least three number one options. And I'll say Herbert coming in, you have basically Blackshear serving as like a running back slash slasher type one. Don't forget Keyshawn King is actually going to have snaps as well. So you have all three of those types of backs in our backfield. I haven't seen this. I call myself the elder scribe. I haven't seen a backfield like this with this type of talent, this mixture of talent, because normally during the later 2000s going into the early 2010s, we had kind of one horse and then everyone else was just kind of there. And we haven't had a dynamic since like the Suggs Jones era, which was right at the turn of 2009, 2000, 2001 and two, where we actually had somebody be kind of that like, thunder and lightning type approach. I think we're going to actually have that again at Virginia Tech. But in this new scheme where we have a dynamic mobile quarterback who can throw the ball and then on the outside, yes, 
Ed mentioned we lost Damon Hazleton. That was a bit of a bummer. Zakai Grimsley kind of went on to, went in the transfer portal, went on to a different program. But we still have Trey Turner, who's an absolute stud. We still have Tavion Robinson, who's a stud. And then we added Changa Hodge coming in, FCS level, who's an absolute stud as the third option in this offense. So just based off of that offensive loan, running behind road graders in front of them, who, if you look at our two deep, everybody in the two deep has logged significant snaps. So even if there is some issue in the room with anybody for availability due to the code of protocols, or if somebody just goes down due to injury, because we have seen a lot of injuries happening across, not just in the college football, but in the national football league, next man up mentality is not somebody who has never seen a football field before. So I just think that depth builds an offense that is, built to win in this kind of environment going forward right now. And I haven't even mentioned the defense. You know, we moved to the defensive side of the ball and we have obviously a bigger turnover in the staff than we do in the players. Everybody that's been on the defensive side of the ball is coming back with at least some semblance of experience over the last two years. We suffered through those two years as a fan base, but now they're here. This was supposed to be our time to see a two deep roster on the defensive side of the ball with people coming back with returning production. And that's what we have now. We have one of the most athletic linebacker cores in the ACC, probably in college football. Before even Caleb Fawley went down, even without him, we still have a very dynamic backfield. If we go into those nickel sets or we just kind of do it with the traditional four, we still have one of the most experienced defensive backfields. And then on the front side, Yes, we lost Charlie Wiles, who went on to actually be on NC State, who we're going to see how he looks on the opposite side of the field. But I believe it was an agreement that Justin Hamilton wanted to bring in Daryl Tapp. Justin Fuente said, sure, you can do that, but here's Bill, T- here, here's Bill Tierling from the NFL. And that was kind of the agreement in place. So not only do you have a young Daryl Tapp breathing energy, and we talked about needing energy on the sidelines because before we just looked at Coach Hilgarth, who's the strength and conditioning coach, to provide juice on the sideline. Now we have Daryl Tapp in people's faces on the sideline bringing juice as well. I think it's a really unique time now that we have basically been, let's just put it easy, we, we've been crushed in the media over the last three weeks. And this team is hungry to actually get on the field and show what they've been working on over the last year, given all of the negativity around the program. I couldn't believe that this line settled on seven. I thought it would have at least been two touchdowns, possibly even higher. The value alone screams Virginia Tech over minus seven. So I would take the value given all the context. I didn't even mention NC State because you guys said enough about them in this whole conversation. They don't match up. Not with this program, not in this time. Virginia Tech, big. Well, I think it's a great point. It's like with this offense, uh, and you know, maybe as Tech fans, we're not used to it. But I mean, we didn't mention James Mitchell, who is an All ACC caliber caliber tight end, probably a second team behind Brevin Jordan of Miami, but still All ACC caliber. Caleb Smith played pretty well last year. He didn't get as many snaps, but he's on the two deep. He's a guy who can go out there and catch balls. Uh, you know, there's a lot of weapons on this team. Keyshawn King, people, like, forget that he existed. He's all over the place. Blackshear we haven't seen, and he's apparently sweet. He was the only guy, you know, worth giving the ball to at Rutgers. So I think this team is – I know I'm 
I'm nervous because I, I'm nervous because I'm not exactly sure what we're going to get from this team energy wise. It, it's just they've been practicing a long time. Are they burnt out? I don't know. What I do have a good thing is Justin Hamilton's going to be running a lot more zone defense. I think that takes a lot of pressure off of the defensive backs, whereas Bud Foster's, you know, cover one man, I, uh, the corner had to play perfect every play. And if you've seen the last few years, Ted just kept getting burned. You can just look at the UVA game. Uh, Bryce Perkins had a guy wide open downfield the entire second half. More zone. Uh, we haven't even talked about Justice Reed, who's a, who's a beast on the defense. He, he's going to be so good. I'm so excited to watch that guy play. Um, there. There's a lot of good things happening for this Virginia Tech program. And I think everybody who's sons of Saturday, uh, you, you'll, you'll see our previews come out soon. And by the way, no one has you covered with the NC State Tech preview like sons of Saturday. No one's coming close to the amount of content that we're putting out. It's ridiculous. It's go there, you'll have views why NC State's going to win the game, why Virginia Tech's going to win the game. Locks of Saturday, we got you covered up. And I, I think this could be the start of a special season for Virginia Tech a run to the ACC title if the chips fall in the way. And speaking of chips, we're here in Las Vegas. Happy betting to everybody. Bet responsibly. Stay away from that Army-Cincinnati game unless you're feeling lucky. Unless you're Chris and you're feeling lucky with the Bearcats. But, you know, let's have a good weekend, guys. Go Hokies. Pound that Duke UVA under.